So, here is another episode. Have I set this up right? Looks good. It's all good. Do you know what? This microphone is so good. I think I've got to take my chewing gum out. It's up to you, man. It didn't really pick up when I was recording it off mine. Ah. But we're in an actual studio today. Yes, we are. Because you really do this. Not podcasting, but you're a producer, you make music. All that good stuff. I am, I am, I am. Welcome. Cheers, bro. Cheers, no, bro. you know what? This is, um, I'm still getting used to it because we've got headphones in and I can half hear myself speaking. But you yeah. were saying we're going to get used to it. You're so. kind of like every other first person that comes in here. When they, the people that get in here sometimes when they first get on the mic, they kind of bug out. Mm. Give it five minutes and then you get used to it. But this is my life. My life is inside these headphones. So I'm I'm in my natural habitat, but you're kind of in your natural habitat with the podcast. So trying to. Best of both worlds kind of kind of coming to clash, I guess. This is my twelfth episode, by the way. Twelfth episode. Twelfth episode. What's, so what's the thing that they say about podcasts? Twenty one episodes. First twenty one episodes. I think ninety eight percent or ninety five percent I butchered it. Don't get past 21 episodes Damn. so that's that's a checkpoint in my mind i need to get to but your plan was further than that yeah obviously obviously but it's just a little let me get to that 21 yeah. and then but now uh, the i'm gonna have to face an issue soon where i'm fortunate i've got great people around me right that i can speak to and just you know pick up the phone give them a call get them on the podcast but then i'm gonna have to get to a point where i outsource mm. and i actually yep. start dming people yeah figuring out how to talk to interesting people i don't i haven't known forever mm. basically yeah cue my first little introduction yeah. yeah we've known each other since before i was even in this world but yeah basically <laughs> yeah basically yeah, yeah. you're f- three four years older than me isn't it yeah, so I'm 28. So, I, th- I don't know what it is. So, we're obviously both Iranian. We're, we're from the Persian community. My sister's four years older, so, yeah, like... Your sister is th- in the year above from me. Mm. So, yeah, so three years between me and you, four years between obviously you and her. So, yeah, Daniel, my older brother, who's eight years older than me, yep. and I know all of those guys through obviously our parents and then yeah daniel was same year or year above from my sister there you go i think yeah so, so this that's is how obviously they knew each other exactly and then it kind of just funneled down and then me you daniel yeah we're all kind of like the runt yeah so i was gonna say bobby all of those guys yeah bob Singh. <laughs> <laughs> big up yeah so this is the second generation persian community which we will get we will get onto, um, but yeah, like we first started out basically, just even before I before I even, I don't even know when the first time we properly got to. Do you know what I mean? Like we just always known each other. It's weird. I mean, obviously there's school. I went to the same school, but I mean before, obviously from when you were born, oh, before you're even in school. Primary school, yeah. Obviously, Mehmunis. 
school yeah. were chilling with them. And oh then God, primary school, once you got into primary school, I, bought, I mean, like, by the time we could remember, really, if you were, like, in year two, I mean, like, year five. Mm. You know, I was... Basically, when I was in year six is when you came into the playground. <laughs> I had a massive leg up because of that. What do you mean? Like, I was... I was in with you already. So then yeah. I was in with all your friends. Yeah. You but were, that was... You were, you were. Yeah, Do you remember in Montpelier when I told you, I was like, hey, listen, like, if you need anything, then just come give me a shout. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. I used to just chill with you. Because I remember you came to the big boy playground. Yeah. In year three. And then obviously I'm in year five or six at that point. But then see it from my perspective. I've got all my mates. And then I've just like, yeah, you lot chill here for a second. I'm, I'm going to go, go see my boy. I'm going to go to the G's. And then I was with Dan, you, do you remember the other Dan? Your mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shazza. So I was cool with all of those guys as well. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, but that's been a theme throughout my life. Just kind of being around the oldest. Yeah, not, it wasn't easy though. It's not easy necessarily. Because when you're three, four years old and you're chilling with eight-year-olds or, you know, fucking six years old and chilling with 10 it's it's difficult so you have to kind of or well, i had to find my way in the group and i think i yeah. did that through through like all of the batista bombs and tombstones yeah. that you got yeah <laughs> sense of humor yeah i had to develop that <laughs> yeah. shit bro. yeah you had but to grow up yeah nikki's friends basically ended up becoming my friends yeah and then nikki was just my sister yeah so yeah <laughs> that's how that's how it went down um, but then we properly, I, I want to touch on Taekwondo. Yeah. Taekwondo was that. big. During primary I school. I think that's when we, me, you, Dan really got that kind of Trinity thing going on. We've mentioned three separate Dans, by the way. Dan, we my older have. brother, Dan, your mate from primary school and Dan, the one we're talking about now, Dan yeah, S. Between us, me, you and our community, we have a lot of Dans. Yeah. Like I've already... Even now, still, I've got, like, four, like, in my life. Danny as well. Danny as well. But, yeah. I mean, I separate them with Danny, Dan, Daniel. But then, if I'm kind of addressing your brother, I'm like, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> kind of got to stretch it out. It's weird, because his mates call him Dan. Oh, do they? Yeah, and that's weird for me. Because oh. I've always, yeah. Strange. But then what did we call? I've just I've just always known your brother as Daniel. Daniel S was always his. Daniel S, yeah. Yeah, that was that was his nickname for the longest. Because then we had the other Daniel, right? Daniel N. Yeah. This is getting confusing. This is getting too many. Yeah, it is. So yeah, we went. We started off in Taekwondo, and that was golden. That really was golden, bro. That was quite a um, it's quite an important segment, I think. Very important. Taekwondo. I think it molded us in a, in a in a cool way, but also we had this uh, I don't know, just in between us, you know, just like us three. Going there, training, 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 moving through belts. I don't oh. think we really clocked what we were really going through, obviously during that time. I think it's afterwards now when you when you really think about it. It was tough, man. The discipline we learned. It was tough. And also, when you really <laughs> when you really think about yeah. it, our club wasn't even that serious because it's Master Steve. Master Steve. But but it was difficult. It was difficult, especially because you're so young, right? And you're doing like, I mean, push ups, sit ups. I mean, that's squats. That was one part of it, but just 
doing like 50 kicks in a row. Like, God damn. Mm. That was not normal. You know, I think we stopped going. I went a little bit longer than you guys because I was already... We we all progressed at the same level. We started at the same time. We did. I think Daniel jumped a belt. If you do really well on your test, they'll move you up. Daniel two did ranks. jump. He he jumped. I think he jumped twice. Did he? He was good. He was really good. But he's been always good at that sort of stuff. And he's the fair. oldest. He was and the oldest. And he's the oldest. When they start you on a white belt, you're yeah. with all like. Yeah, he jumped from white. He went to two. As he, he jumped two from there. So he went yellow. straight to yellow. So yeah. he didn't get the white yellow. Yeah. Then from yellow, he jumped straight to green. Did he? And then he got the green, blue, 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 red, red. Do you remember at the test, they would, uh, they'd give out a medal for people who were like special on the test? Yeah. And it was yeah. like a, an honor if you got that. Yeah. And you got it one time. Mm -hmm. Daniel got it one time. And I never got it. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah. That's still... I do remember that. That still pisses me off a lot. I do remember that. A lot. You know, I think you stopped going at this point. On my red belt test. Yeah. So... Red to red black. Because I stopped... I stopped at red black. Did you? Wait, do you not remember? I got my red black and then I stopped. But that was... I got my red black and I did my knee. Oh, that's and then why I was you out, And then I was out for, obviously, that whole year. And then another year rehabbing. So two years went by, and I didn't get back into it. But then... Your hamstring as well. No, not my hamstring. Do you remember there was a time where your whole hamstring, you tried to kick a football, and your hamstring no, no, attached? No, 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 no. That was my ACL. So, oh, so that that's what happened. Knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently they said it's... It, it's because I wore it out because of doing Taekwondo. I just fucking went hard on it. Yeah. But yeah, Man. so I got my red black and then I stopped because of that and then you carried on. Mm. And then Daniel, I think as well, was was the same thing. But I mean, obviously... You two basically stopped at the same time. Basically, yeah. Once I stopped, he stopped. But then on my red belt test to go to red black, we had to do 50 press-ups. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember my first test was just terrible. But everyone doing the test was terrible, besides from one guy. Mm. One guy passed as well, but the rest of us failed. Yeah. And that was like a real failure, like real failure for me. Yeah, because you've done it your whole life. My whole life. And, and you I think you're ready for this moment. But I was so underprepared for it. I think because you guys weren't there, it was mm. just me by myself for we, the first time. We kept time. each other going. Yeah. Yeah, and I just really, really was not prepared for it. And I got called out. Mm. Like I, I could see... I'm underprepared here and I can't keep up. And then on the press-ups, where you have to do 50 in a row, I basically did, I think I got to like the 20 mark and yeah. I started struggling. Yeah. And from that point on, I've done press-ups. To this day, I do press-ups every night before I go to sleep. Yeah. Just before I go to sleep, I need to do my press-ups. Do you hit the 50 now? Oh, easy. Yeah. 50 is my benchmark. Yeah, nice. So on the worst days where I don't want to do it, I, I'll do 50. Mm. Yeah. That's how I built it up. Because my benchmark is when I really can't be asked to do it, that's when I can hit my... Yeah. You know, I've built that benchmark up. Yeah. So my best right now is like 72 in one row. Nice. Yeah. 
Very good. But it's a constant development. Yeah. I feel like if I miss three, four days, that goes down. Yeah. What are you trying to hit? Hundred. 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 And that's that's Bruce my, my life's mission. Rolling out of bed straight into push ups. Nah, like before before I go to sleep. Before sleep. Before I go to sleep. Damn. Yeah. It's good though, man. It's really And good. then the second red belt test I had, yeah. I was the only one who could hit the fifty. Oh, was it? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And I was there with like adults in that test. Yeah. Who just c- like completely couldn't do it. And then what was I at fourteen? Mm. Stepped up and he's done the whole fifty. Nice. And at that point, I was like, right, all that work I've put into it has come back around. But then the whole hospital thing. Yeah. Obviously, when I've lost all the weight and strength and I couldn't do nothing. How long after was the hospital from when you got your red black? Oh. So when did you get your red black? Fourteen. Fourteen seems quite old though. Hospital. Thirteen. Maybe. And the hospital was what, 16? 17? Late 16. Six, yeah. Actually, round about May. No, so round about now. No, because you went. Hospital happened. 16. When you. The hospital happened after first year of A levels. So it was a week before my AS levels, so in my first year. Yeah, so, towards you, the end. so you were 16. Yeah. Late 16. And in that August, you were turning 17. Mm-hmm. Once you went into hospital, yeah. you turned 17. So two years after, basically, kind of, two yeah. three years after passing, red black. You get hit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's when you really see the discipline we learn from martial arts. You do, to be honest. People don't really understand it. I don't think, as in, as in, if they don't do it, the if they haven't done it, you don't understand in what situations that discipline's just there. You know the mental toughness we had to build up. Specifically, when you had your legs six inches off the ground. And then you had to sit. And then you hold it there. And then when you think you're done, then he's he like, says, now butterfly yeah. kicks. And then oh, that one. Open up. Do you remember that one? You're lying down. You're lying down. I thought you were talking about the sitting squat, but you're like on your tiptoes. And you sit. And after like 30 seconds, oh. he goes, now go further down. I forgot about and that. And your legs are just going. Like as in they're yeah. shaking. As if you're having the best orgasm of your life. (laughs) (laughs) I completely forgot about that. Shit. Yeah, they, like, he really put us through our paces. And when you go through that at such a young age, I mean, even now when when we're going gym and doing whatever, like, I still know this is nothing compared to those sessions. It's that that pain threshold that goes up. Mm. But pain threshold physically, but I think it naturally seeps into, like, mentally as well mentally as well you get this bigger pain threshold so even like when shit hits the fan in life you just kind of shrug it off and you just kind of keep going you know you mentioned your your acl Mm. do you remember that fight in the in the tournament where my one your one when Mm. you were injured like something happened during the fight and you just couldn't you could barely stand up yeah so back i think the rules have changed now but back then there were no fucking point system on no. your target where no. people hop around. It was an actual fight. Yeah. It goes up to 12. I think when it's 12 nil, it's a whitewash. Yeah. And they stop the fight. The other person wins. I think this got to 10 nil to the other person. I remember, I remember this. Way. It got to 10-1. And then you got one. And then 10-1 and then round finished. 
and I went and sat down. In two rounds, right? All together. Yeah. And I went and sat down. Mm. Had a, obviously I had a chat. Who with who? Who was there? I think it was Master Steve. Was it? I think it was. And you know what? I saw obviously me, you and Dan growing up, especially with Master Steve, we always make our jokes about him. Mm. But in that moment where he's chatting to me, I saw a side of him that I don't think I've ever seen before. It was a very interesting side to see. He just switched out of nowhere. But it was he he got into my head really well. Really? It was it was it, it wasn't as if he was getting onto me, but he got in very well. And he just got me to kind of switch on. And I think it's interesting for a guy that you kind of <laughs> make jokes around because he was a funny guy. Mm. When it came down to it, it makes sense why this guy is a black belt with Dan's. You know? Yeah, he was a serious guy. So it serious you guy. You start to understand that, yeah, this shit's serious. When you get a Dan, it's it's serious. There's a, there's obviously a certain aspect to you, which is the reason why you've got it. They don't just hand it out to anybody. So it's something to appreciate. But yeah, in that moment, he got into my head so well, and then I came back and I won it. So what did he say during that? Because I'll, I'll tell you the story from our perspective. Oh, what, from you lot watching? Dan and I's perspective, yeah. I can't remember it word for word, exactly. But I remember, obviously, I was telling him... It's a Rocky Balboa moment. It was, yeah. I was telling him, look, I can't stand. Like, mm. I was like... You couldn't stand. I couldn't. I was, I, was like, I was like, look, I'm struggling to put weight on this foot. And it's on my right foot. So, so it's my best foot. Mm. Or my best leg, even. And then, um, and then, he, and then he, he, and then essentially he just goes to me, not directly, but he just goes, just forget about it. He goes, just forget about it. He goes, you've got your hands, you've got your other foot. He goes, it's just one limb compared to your whole body. He goes, and, and I don't know if you remember, but he was like, keep doing double kicks. Keep mm. your right leg up and, and switch it onto the left and just keep just keep doing it keep doing it because he was like the guy's open oh double as in double with one so foot as in instead of a scissor yeah yes so like keep your right leg up and use it to block yeah, this is karate kid literally yeah. and then he was like and then go for the fake but then hit with the left and then keep jumping on it obviously i have to land on it but instantly you could just shift the weight over and you won't feel it as much right but he just it was just a positivity. He was like, look, it's just now or never. This is the moment. He was like, you're better than this guy. Way better. And do you know what I mean? It's just, you know, getting into your head. It's just reaffirming that, yeah, like you are better than this guy. And you're going out there. And he just and just got you going. He's like, you've trained for this. You're, you're completely ready. Don't worry about that foot. It's going to take care of itself. And he's like, just just go out. And he's like, throw punches. Block with your arms. Just Just use everything that you have. He was like, just be quicker than him. Like he, he was like, if you see him hesitate, go. Don't stop. Just keep. And that's what I did. I don't know if you remember. I came out and I just kept laying into him, laying into him. Mm. And the point just started going up, 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 up. And it just kept going, kept going. That was the thing because it was the second round. And then the time's ticking. And you're 10-1 behind. Mm. And each round was what? Three minutes or two minutes? Three minutes. Three yeah. minutes. And it was literally coming down to the last seconds. And it just went up from, I can't remember the score at this point, but it, out of nowhere, racked up. You were just landing, landing, landing. 
and it was one two one two one two yeah. one two one yeah. two. It was just the one twos. And then it ended twelve twelve. Yeah. Which means you go to a final round yeah. where it's golden point. Yeah. Whoever scores the first point wins. Yeah. And then I was like, Shh. I've never been in that situation actually. I've never got to a golden. That was that a very point round. unique situation because I got there, but then at that point I was like, stress. It wasn't stress at that point. I was like, I've got it. Momentum. I was like, I've got it. I was like, let me out now. Really? I, I had to go out now. Any if, if it took longer than obviously it did, if anything occurred that they had to stop for, I, maybe it would have thrown me, but I was like, get me out now. Mm. I have to get in there now. Get in, straight, bang, get in, win. Yeah. Instantly. I didn't even wait. As soon as the ref said go, boom, I'm in. I that was, was probably probably the best fight I've ever seen. It f- yeah, I mean, for me, it was... I'll, it's a moment that I can never forget. Mm. Never, ever. It it was so unique. Mm, that's special. And, and the feeling, yeah, the feeling was... Oof. Do you remember when you fought Nikki? When you fought my oh sister? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nikki, man. <laughs> so Nikki did Taekwondo for maybe four years. No, less. What am I talking about? Four years. Like a year. Yeah. Sorry. Not four. Um... She started same time as us, and then we used to have like little fights at the end of our session sometimes, and yeah, they must have just paired you two up for some reason. For some reason, I don't know why. But she wasn't doing taekwondo at this point. The fight goes, and she just head down starts running towards. Just me. runs, just runs at me. <laughs> and then you, you just turn around and run the other way. Yeah. And she continues running. Just keeps running. I'm thinking, what's she doing? Like, what is this tactic? Bro, she had her hands up trying to just hit everything. you, whatever. She came, she came with me. Like, she literally <laughs> came at me with everything she had. Salute to her. Salute to her. Uh, that was sick. That was sick. <laughs> but yeah, bro, when... I think off the back of that, we also went to Farsi class. We went to Farsi class for what seems like the duration of our childhoods. Pretty much, yeah. And it, it was at the same... So when I went to secondary school, it was in the same place. Mm. So I ended up going to my secondary school six days a week. Yeah, for you, that's painful. Crazy. Seeing your school again on a weekend. Crazy. But that was also defining, because afterwards, we would just pretty much spend the entire day together me you and dan pretty much either skateboarding free running afterwards yeah skateboarding free running like we'd be smoking there for cigarettes hours after oh yeah the winston's winston's classic yeah yeah to get you to steal some from us yeah so my dad like a typical iranian he used to bring back suitcases full of cartons of cigarettes this was before there was the limit yeah. So you could bring back as many Wheeler dealer. Let yeah. me, yeah. And these Winstons were basically cigars in the form of a cigarette. Yeah. They well, were strong. For us back then, yeah. Winstons normally are strong. Yeah. Man. And then back then as well, where we used to take a toothbrush, toothpaste. Because we thought that would fix everything. <laughs> deodorant. <laughs> mouthwash. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're literally in the field of Acton High School, behind those new-built yeah. like tennis courts yeah, w- where yeah. the brick wall was. I still remember that, yeah. And we light it up, <laughs> and then we had it. And then, yeah, for some reason, we're now brushing our teeth in a field. 
as if, as if, yeah, man, this is going to cancel everything out. Like, you know, this is going to sort us out. And we're like, what? You know what? Think about it. It's actually so bad because that was early. That was, I'm like 15. Exactly. You're like 12. Yeah, I was 12. And you're chuffing on it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what happened? My, um, my dad realized. Uh, A carton of cigarettes was missing because I couldn't just take one, open a pack of 10 and take one and close it because you have to break off the plastic seal Mm. and all sorts. So you had to take the whole box. So I took the whole box. (laughs) We had a lifetime supply of cigarettes. We actually did. We had a lot of cigarettes, but then he thought the cleaner is is taking it. The cleaner had just nicked cigarettes. So they got rid of her. Damn. I had a cleaner at this point. Jesus Christ! Yeah, they they um. We were the cause of a cleaner, yeah, struggling to feed her kids. But to be fair, I think she was also making calls, making international calls. Oh, was it off um the landline? Oh, so she wasn't clean. So I think it was like, <laughs> oh, she's yeah, uh, she's doing that as well. Um. Okay. Cool. I wanted to half talk about that Persian community as well. Yeah. Off the back of, what, Farsi class, all of that stuff. What a special community. Bro, think about it. Like, you've got, we've got our mates in school. Like, we're, we're getting on with people here. And then we've got this, like, unique thing where, like, we've got our boys since we've known when we were all born together and mm. like, grew up together. Going for sleepovers. Like, that was... That was the only time I was allowed to actually go for sleepovers. Because my mum knows, like, she's best mates with all of these women. Yeah. She knows everyone. Same. I was never allowed to sleep at my, like, school friend's house. Same. But obviously with you guys, pretty pretty calm. Mm. It was a very unique community, to be honest. Just that Iranian thing. I mean, you know what? Obviously, everyone within their own community, it's obviously special. But have you have you seen a third generation, third generation immigrants and how they get on with their second generation parents? So say we were to have kids here Mm. and we grow up here, the relationship we're going to have with our kids is going to be very different to how our parents were with us. I mean, I'm kind of seeing it with my sister now. Mm. Obviously, she has a kid. And, um, I mean, obviously, when I was two, I've got no idea what my relationship really was with my mum. But just looking at it and how my mum was and what from what I've heard stories, it, it is very different. There's a, a lot more relaxed because even though we're second generation, we know. We know the UK. We know, we know what goes down. We know how to kind of navigate through it. So it's much easier, I feel, when you have that kid. Whereas for the first generation that came here, so our parents, they come here, they have no idea what to do. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not their country. Some of them can't speak the language. Like my dad could, because my dad studied here. So he was fine. He was working here, studied here, everything. My mom came quite late. So she was taking like English classes when my sister was born. And still doing it, like, when I was born as well. I was just still kind of doing small updates. Do you know what I mean? 
Whereas now the difference is when I see like my sister's kid, it's not, it's as if she just doesn't have to do as much. I mean, obviously she does a lot, but. You know what? I think that's why there was such a strong Persian community because our parents, even my dad, even though he was working in the same situation as your dad, uh, they were very, they weren't really mixing with English people yeah. like other, I mean, yeah, they, they stuck to their own. Yeah, your people at the end of the day will have your back wherever you go to some extent. I mean, there's, don't get me wrong, there's also some Iranians that we know mm. that are like, we, uh, we know them as oh, those Iranians. <laughs> yeah. like the ones that we don't really mingle with because they have that damakh um, bola. Mm. Their nose, they're just a bit stuck up because of that slight uh, privilege. It's funny because I, I see it strongly within the Iranian community. I don't know if you've clocked it. We have a lot of Iranians that have this sense of privilege for some reason. They have this sense of I- entitlement, mm-hmm. which is quite funny to see. You know, for for the longest time, I was not a fan at all, and I was trying to just separate myself. What from Iranians? From I went to Iran like five six years ago, um, and I didn't like it at all because everyone. Iranians are great, but then I was seeing behind people's backs, they talk a lot and they don't talk nicely about people. Very, very two-faced. Yeah. So I th- I started to just think this is normal. This is a cultural thing. And I didn't like it at all. Um, and it's only recently where um, I've, I've just met great Iranian people and I've realized, I think similar to what you're saying, that damn bala thing. Yeah. I was just around the wrong people thinking, yeah, generalizing a little bit. You know what it is? It's because I think the kids that, like, we were dealing with, they were getting a lot from their parents and their parents were the ones that, you know, had that sense of privilege because mm. a lot of them as well, to be fair, at the end of the day, they've come over here post-revolution. They were in a good situation you know, pre-revolution, and they've had to essentially leave, take all their money. They've come here with good money. They've, like, set up well. And I think they get that entitlement over the rest of them. They're like, oh, we were this person there, so we can be that person here. I think that's what kind of funneled through. Oh, I never saw that. That's how I saw it. I was like, I just felt, oh, yeah, you think you were that person there, so you have to be that person here, where it's like, it's a bit of a fresh slate. Mm. Cool, like you got the money, but take it out on the streets, and some any Barry's gonna sucker punch you in the face and probably take it because at the end of the day, you you you're now the minority. But as soon as they get into your circle, the Iranian circle, I was show this, show that. I've got this, I've got that. Mm. There was a lot of that. However, regardless to that point, I think I was on the other side to you though. When I went when I went Iran, I loved it. I really got a sense of home there more than I did here when I was growing up. I was very in the middle growing up. I don't know about you, but I couldn't identify with anyone here. But when I was in the Iranian circle, I mean, you guys were different. With us with us guys, 
we were very tight knit. But when you fall into the others, those other lot, I didn't feel like I was really part of them either. But mm. even when I went home, I felt like I wasn't really part of them. I was gonna say that. That's because why I struggled. We go then. there. We've got an accent. They know we have an accent. We dress differently. Um, the things that are trending are are different. So we don't really ever get it. But at the same time, they, those guys in Iran, our friends and families, they don't really get us either because things were too different. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Also, we're coming from an age of growing up where the internet was new. So you weren't seeing stuff on the internet. Now, though, go Iran, it's, it's not different because social media has closed that gap. Whereas growing up, the, the gap was big. You, you, you would sense, to some extent, even though I'm saying, like, entitlement, you'd go there and you'd be like, what is this third world country, bro? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 what is this? Because it was, I mean, it's a typical stereotype. It could be Iran, it could be any country, like mm. Middle East, Asia, even other places in Europe or wherever. You go and, like, something comes out here, it comes out there, like, two, three years later. So you feel like, yeah. oh... Uh, you know you just got this now type of thing but I think when you look at it from their lens it's something to kind of cherish it's like they're reliving that moment that I've mm. lived let me enjoy it with them you know what I, I saw a lot of that when I went to university really? yeah what do you mean? I really liked Bristol when I did my foundation year there yeah because Bristol's got its own unique original feel to it yeah they're not trying to trying to be like London. Whereas when I went to Nottingham, it felt as though, yeah, the same thing. Like this was this was what was happening in London two years ago, but now it's only just carried over to Nottingham. It just felt they were trying to be a London 2.0, but it, it, it comes across as though they're just copying everything that's happened there. And mm. it's just that's interesting because I feel like before, like a f years back, that 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 was more so the case. Like London had that big effect, but now, I mean, even when I first went to uni in Leeds, it, even that was like a culture shock to me. I was like, this place is different. It's nothing like London, mm. and I, for some reason, I just probably that naive side of me thought London's so big everyone wants to be like London so it's going to basically be like London because they're going to try it and I'm just going to be like oh but no it wasn't it was mm. very different and it was very very like unique and they kind of had their own thing to it and then learning that I was like oh like this is cool this is like they they, they have their own vibe and it's yeah, like you said it well you should just that's Bristol as well. Yeah, you should enjoy their vibe because that's what they're on and that's that's what makes them them, mm. you know? Which is the same in any city. I mean, we... W I mean, it's typical because we, we, we have a certain stereotype for people from different cities. It could be a Scouser. It could be someone from, you know, Scouser, Geordie, mm. some guy from Cornwall. Do you know what I mean? Like Midlands. So, so yeah, but I definitely thought the same to some extent but then when i saw it kind of through their lens i was like oh like i like this mm. this is pretty cool you just touched on going to leeds yeah so i actually went down the foundation route after everything that happened i mm. had to just get back into education but i figured out that route through you we were having a lot of conversation about this whilst i was yeah. at uni we were going back and forth 
even before that, the conversation started with once you were out of hospital, wasn't it? And it was yeah. like, what are you going to do? And you were like, I'm not confident enough to go into a college or a sixth form. So I, I'm not doing it. And I, was like, and I also enough. couldn't. And you couldn't. And I was like, fair enough. I was like, so what are you going to do? And you just said, I'll I'll just study myself. Yeah. I was like, all right, sick. And that's difficult. And I remember having a chat with you. Like, are you sure you're going to yeah, be on it? I forgot about this. Yeah, we had a full on chat. Like, are you sure? Like, because I told you, I was like, you have to be on it. I was like, coming out of what you have come out of, I was like, it would make sense if you want to enjoy life a little bit. But yeah. if you want to get right into it, go ahead, man. And you did. And we spoke throughout. You grafted. You did your exams, which didn't, <laughs> which wasn't too good at first, wasn't it? I studied everything in these notebooks. Yeah. I did all the past <laughs> papers. But I'm just, I'm not the guy when it comes to academically yeah mm. um so i studied everything i could in the notebooks did all the past papers i got a c and a b for like the part one yeah um of both these a levels i was taking and then for the part two i got like yeah it wasn't an f but it was like yeah you flopped basically <laughs> i remember you telling me that it wasn't good but I was like, and then that's when I kind of gave you the talk. I was like, hey, man, I, I didn't do good. I did really bad in my A-levels. And I was a good student, to be fair. Yeah. Especially in GCSE. I slapped my GCSEs. I was, I was sick. What happened with the A-levels for you? That was a changing point for me, I think. I started my A-levels. And right before I started my A-levels, I discovered music. Mm. At the end of year 11. So I discovered DJing, to be to be exact. And I started DJing. And for those two years of college, I was just fixated on DJing. Fixated on DJing, fixated on making music. That's all I thought about. And I thought, I'm not going to go to uni, so why even bother with these A-levels? Mm. So I didn't bother. And then funnily enough, whilst I was grinding out DJing because bro like I'm 16 right I've learned how to DJ I got myself involved with so like we said you know just like 10-20 minutes ago or however long you were always around like olders right mm. so I grew up around olders because obviously my sister being older I was with her quite a lot her friends at school but outside of her I met other people that were like older than me Iranians as well they were older. That was a different group. Like, you lot didn't know them. Like, I don't know how I got involved with these lot. Mm. It was, like, through people, and I just ended up. But these lot were in the club scene, heavily. Like, like big. So at 16, I've ended up getting myself starter gigs, half an hour sets, at times where people are rocking up to a club at, like, 11 p.m. No I'm 16. There's, like olders like 20 to 30 year olds in here and i'm just spinning i'm just spinning stuff and i'm getting drinks and i'm getting like shit faced and i'm spinning for half an hour but imagine i f like i spin from like 11 to 11 30 i get my money i gotta dip and get to yard because my mom doesn't even mm. know i'm here do you know what i mean like i'm just 16 and i'm in this club you must have been well you must have thought i'm the coolest kid i thought i was the shit yeah. i thought i have 
I have worked it out. I have figured it out. I'm getting cash in hand at 16 years old to spin damn, I don't know, some, some Drake uh, take care stuff um, and take my money and go home and then come into school for college and be able to buy whatever I want for lunch. And I thought, this is, this is the life. This is what I want to do. At 16, coming across something like that, it'd be over. Yeah. For sure, it'd be over. Yeah. You'd go into clubs. Probably women are there as well. Yeah. And you're young, so you're cute. And, and I was, like yeah, yeah, I was young. I I never looked. Uh-oh. Well, even now, I don't look my age. Like, even recently, like, someone goes to me, oh, how old are you? I might take yes, and they say, like, oh, 24 or, like, 25. Mm. But when I was even younger, I didn't have a beard when I was, like, 16. Do you know what I mean? So, proper baby face. And I just looked young, and I was, like, skinny, like, scrawny. Um, so yeah, I am young in that club, but I could, I can get by with like the 18 year olds because I was around olders. You're the same as well. We're very like mature, mm. We're very mature. We, and also the discipline from Taekwondo, discipline from our Iranian parents. We just, do you know what I mean? We, we are very mature people. I'm quite fortunate enough that people around me are quite mature, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, I'm I'm in there now, and that's how A levels just started to go downhill. I wasn't studying, I wasn't doing anything, and then it got to year thirteen, final year of A levels. My mum knows I'm not going to go to uni at this point, or she knows, but she doesn't want to believe it, so she still thinks I'm going to uni. That's interesting because Iranian parents would be like, "I don't care what you're doing, go to university and yeah. then do whatever the." Fuck that you was do. the case in my household. It was a lot of fights. A lot those two ah, okay. years was constant fights. I didn't get on with my parents because mm. obviously I want to do this, they want me to do that. And it wasn't good in in, 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 in my house to be fair. A lot of fighting, getting locked out of the house because my mum would just lock the door and say, Yeah, just stay outside then <laughs> <laughs> So I know your mum and I can really imagine her doing that. Yeah, that's funny. My mom is a sweetheart, but when she's yeah. vexed, she's she's the last kid out of a set of eight, seven, eight. She didn't okay. grow up, and she didn't grow up with a dad. So her dad passed away before she was born. So she has no sense of she she she's the definition of I'm a strong, independent woman. Yeah, she doesn't understand men. She doesn't care about men, and anyone who's not a man yet is a boy. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're and you're worthless. Yeah, so she's strict. Your mum is great. Thank you. Side note. Thank you. Likewise with your mum. Your mum fed me for I think th fourteen years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I remember your mum used to take care of me. Um, yeah. In school, she was a. Uh, I remember that time. She had. She was eyes. dinner lady. Yeah, she had eyes on the playground. Yeah, man. She was dinner lady. I remember. She took I care got, of all of us. I got stitches in my knee. And I, was, I wasn't supposed to be playing football, even walking. Yeah. I had to go very slowly. And I was obviously out there playing football. Mm. And your mom just caught me, caught me by, like, by my neck. She was like, come in. <laughs> you know, you're not playing football. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, she's a, she's a very special person. But no, yeah, so, she, so a lot of arguments in my household. So yeah, at that point, she thinks I'm not going to uni. And well, she thinks I am, but. I think inside she knew. Mm. 
and then it gets to the coast. It gets to December. After where, year thirteen. No, December of year of year thirteen, mm-hmm. where where UCAS is about to close. My head of year turns around to me and essentially goes, "You're not going to make it in like uni studying." or just anything, mm. just leave and go work. And that struck a nerve. I did not like that. I was like, I'm going to go to uni. <laughs> well, f- so for you, it it felt as though you were missing a train. Like you're no. falling behind here. No. No, it wasn't the falling behind. It's the fact that someone told me I can't do something. Because mm. I'm going off of, right now, I'm coming off the momentum of, I'm DJing, bro. <laughs> I'm making money. I'm DJing. I'm in clubs. I am. I've got a buzz, and I and I can go places. Don't tell me I can't do I'm something. I'm getting free drinks. I'm getting free at drinks. Ministry. Literally, <laughs> and it's like, don't tell me I can't do something. Yeah. Just because I'm failing, I'm failing because I'm not doing it. Don't don't mm. don't tell me I'm like worthless. So I was like, I'm I'm gonna go to uni. So I came in the next day. He wasn't in his office. I slip a note underneath the door. By the way, he did not like this. I, s- I slipped a note under the door. I beg you, just open it and said, suck your mother. Imagine, oh, that that would have been great. But unfortunately, <laughs> I needed to do my oh yeah, yeah my UCAS. So I go, I write, I'm applying for UCAS. Can you please finish my application? Because I did it. Oh, but, but it goes through them and they need to pass yeah, it on, yeah. right? This guy comes in. He walks into his office. I don't <laughs> And I'm sitting in the sixth form, like, common room. He goes in, he looks down, there's a note on the floor, he picks it up. He opens it, reads it, turns around. He goes, you, come to my office now. <laughs> I'll go in. He lost his shit. He's like, what the fuck do you think this is? And I'm like, <laughs> and, and I go to him, it looks, it, it's exactly what it says. Mm. I'm applying for uni. He goes, no, I'm not doing it. I'm like, it's your fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do your job. Like, you can't tell me, like, you're not doing it. I want to apply. Uh, I've done my part. Deadline is what? Deadline was Deadline was the next day, 11 p.m. So I'm like, you You should. Yeah. You should hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the end, he does it, right? He gets to the next day. He's done his part. Then the head of sixth form has to do one other thing, I think. Mm. So it's 10 p.m. now, the next day. This is like transfer deadline day. It is literally transfer deadline day. It is 10 p.m. I'm sitting behind the computer with my sister. We're emailing the head of sixth form back and forth, getting f- things finalized. Mm. And it gets finalized and my application gets sent off. And this was to do the foundation year? At that point, it wasn't decided because I, I, I just applied for unis. Do you know what I mean? I just applied for unis and... Obviously, imagine two years. I haven't even thought about what I want to do. And I've naturally picked subjects based on what, what my parents wanted me to do. Biggest mm. mistake. Anybody listening and you're picking A-levels, do not listen to what your parents say. Pick what, pick what you want to pick because it's going to affect you so much. Even now, when I look back on it, I was like, oh, if I pick this, this, that instead, I'd actually do things that I kind of want to do. That makes a lot of sense because I was going to ask you, how did you end up studying engineering, right? You did engineering first. So I picked maths for my uh, <laughs> for my A-levels. Shit. 
and I picked uh, PE for my A-levels. Uh, in my first year, I did chemistry, biology, and I flopped, I think, biology or something, and chemistry, to be honest. So I drop it, and then, f- uh, as in for second year, and I take just physics, AS. So at this point, <laughs> I'm do- yeah, it bro, ask me why I thought that was a smart idea, I don't know. Uh, so it's, it's, so when you, it's when you're selecting, because I know you, it's when you're selecting your subjects and you're thinking, you know what? Like, what do you mean I can't do it? That's what you it was. Pr- you must have looked at the hardest subject and gone, and I thought, oh, what? You, you don't think I can do this? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But my my stupid brain <laughs> said, I'm going to do it without studying. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, so A2 now, I've got maths as an A2, PE as an A2, and um, physics as an AS. That must have been a funny class. It was hectic because I'm with the kids in the year below in the AS. I'm, oh, I'm an A2 no. student chilling with the kids from AS, right? Even though it's one year difference, but still. So I'm chilling there now. A- AS physics, obviously I flopped. <laughs> right? <laughs> Funnily enough, PE, Yeah. I did sick on the exams, but on Naturally. the practical, I flopped. Oh. I would have I would have said the other way around. No, because the oh, practical shit. I didn't submit in. So the practical you're supposed to be doing sports, right? So obviously I did taekwondo. I filmed taekwondo and I got great marks for it. I did football because I was in the football team. Great marks for it. But you had to do two other sports mm. that you actually do. I don't do anything else because I'm busy on nights out, right? So now I didn't submit anything. So that one flopped. So I ended up getting like a, a e, to be fair, I, st- I think I managed to get a D in it. Maths was the only thing that kept me going because I was, I've just naturally been good at maths mm. without even studying. I kind of just did it because I was going to. Come on. No. Angoy, you know. Oh, you went there. Yeah. So I was there. So he, God bless his soul. Honestly, that man got me into uni. I think just him, just what he had taught me. So I passed maths. Nice. I can't remember what I get got now. I think I got an A. So so somehow I think I've pulled off an A in maths. Imagine that. Mm. Or maybe a B. Or something like that. But it was a good mark. Perfect mark. Something that surpassed. Great. Uni comes around. Obviously, I can't go anywhere. Mm. So all of my like offers, I didn't get anything because of my stuff. So I'm sitting there now and... My parents are like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm chilling. If I flopped, I flopped. Anyway, you know, I didn't want to go uni. Mm. But now, in the back of my mind, I'm like, that bastard is sitting in my head telling me that I can't do it. So I'm like to my parents, right, we're going to get into uni. So I looked at all the foundation courses. All the foundation. How how do you know a foundation course was the route to get in? Because they had lower pass marks. It's so genius, really, because when you told me, when I flopped my exams, and you were like, you can go do this foundation course, which is one year, and then from there, you can get onto a degree. So yeah. I was like, why am I wasting my time doing A-levels? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's true. But I, I, I just clocked it. I was like, okay, all of these are like lower pass marks. You don't mm. need big pass marks. And I went for all of the foundation courses that were popping up in the clearance section. So clearance is for kids that fucked it. Yeah, bro. I've, I've been there, man. That's me. That's me too. And I had to be there. And I was like, this yeah. is great. 
So I look at it, I find a few, make a few calls. South Bank was the one. Hit South Bank, General Engineering Foundation year. And that way you can stay in London. I can stay in London. Stay with your parents and stay go with my parents, clubs. Go clubs, nice. keep spinning. Perfect. Buys you a year. However, at that point, I stopped DJing. Okay. You were I, actually motivated to get in. Yeah. I was like, I need to grind this year because mm -hmm. I need to get myself to a uni. And secondly, I started to fall out of love with DJing. But producing was now the thing. I was producing now. I'm a producer. Mm. So I had this fixation of learning how to produce. And two, it was just study and study production. Study, study, study. That's it. I'm balancing these two and I'm going for it. Long story short, obviously, clearly from what I'm saying is South Bank gives me an offer. Not only do they give me an offer, <laughs> they gave me a scholarship for no. that year. With a single A-level. I have somehow got a scholarship and I didn't have to pay for that year. Wow, that's amazing. I don't know what happened. Well, I paid. I paid for mine. I don't know what happened. So tuition fees, none. Nothing. So I, I got through that year for free. I get through, do South Bank. It was so easy. I ended up getting a first. Really? For me, it was easy, man. That was piss easy. I get a first. Then again, maybe it was easy because I was actually studying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a first send out some offers and uh, send out some more like applications that's the thing though once you get a first on your foundation course you're chilling any university will take you you're chilling bro it's a whole different world yeah get the foundation course and then what happens I really messed up because I got a 2-1 on that foundation course and I should have got a first got there was a one first, module a long story short I didn't me and the teacher just didn't get along I know that life and then I was, yeah, it was so stupid. Yeah. So stupid. But that brought me down to a 2-1. Mm. For everything else, I was getting first. Yeah. And because I got this 2-1 in my foundation year, I couldn't squeeze into the top, top unis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is so very, then I get this yeah. first. And then wait, what was it that we call the top universities? Russell Group. Bo Russell Group. Brick. No, no, it is, yeah. is it? I end, up at, I end up at a Russell Group University. Leeds. Yeah. Uni of, it wasn't Leeds Beckett or Leeds Met, it was University of Leeds. I was laughing. My mum couldn't believe it. She's like, how have you ended up at a Russell Group University? They really shagged me, you know, I have to say that. Who? Leeds. Leeds? Yeah. I'm not surprised. They, they sent quite me, a shagging of a uni. Bro, they sent me an email. You can ask, actually I've had him, I've had him on as guest-ish. Because I met him at at Bristol on my foundation year and he was taking the piss saying like you ain't getting into Leeds who do you think you are <laughs> like he was taking the piss out of me because I was like I'm going yeah. I'm getting in they sent me a congratulations you've been accepted onto this course for like um, it was a business course but with like an environment aspect to it yes, and I was because like because we were talking about this I was, I was like, telling you yo wow. environment's the new thing yeah. jump on it I was so happy for about 12 hours and then they sent me a follow-up being like, we're so, like, not we're so, so, we said apologies. There was a mix-up. You weren't supposed to get that. Bastards. Bastards. But then, yeah, because I got the 2-1, they took me to the last minute to reject me. Yeah. Because I played, at that point, Nikki was like, listen, you're stupid if you don't make use of what you've been through. Like, that needs to be front and centre. That's what I was telling you. But... 
I had too much pride at the time. Yeah, I was like, I lot. need to. I was like, I, I need to get in off my own merit. That's what you said. You said I will not use this as a way of getting in. Yeah, I was like, use it, bro. They will eat it up. Like, oh, yeah, they would have. Poor guy. I didn't use it in, at all because it looks good on our PR. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly why. And there was a certain test or some sort of thing to show, like it's real. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. I can't. Some sort of assessment. Um, I missed that. My sister booked it in. Nikki booked it in. And I just didn't go. So now, what? Now that I'm on clearance and I'm trying to just swindle it and call him up and be like, "Look, I've been through this." It's almost like, "Fuck." Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Let's talk to the higher ups and see what we can do for you. Mm -hmm. But then they kind of longed it out and they were like, "No, nah, sorry, I can't." Yeah. And that's when I clearance again. Yep. Nottingham. And went on to good film production technology, the only course going. Yeah, and then had to just weasel my way. Thinking, why the hell am I here, <sighs> bro? You know my story. That that was ridiculous. Film no, was. production technology like, had nothing what, to do with what you were doing. Not at all. But I thought it's gonna be easy once I'm in to just internally swap over. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you've gone to Leeds now. I've gone to Leeds now. Yeah, and you're still doing. I get in. To do chemical engineering. Fuck it, bro. That is one of the hardest <laughs> degrees. And I get in my first year. I'm at uni. I do not like Leeds. I don't like the place at all. I came back to London every two weeks. Mm. I was on a train back to London. And halfway through, I just thought, what the fuck have I done? Fuck this. And I thought, I have to change. I'm not going to make it through. I failed that first year because, again, I wasn't studying. Did not study. You're lucky you had that scholarship because you've got four years of funding. So yeah. if you flop this year, you can redo your first year and have the funding. Yeah. So That's perfect. I do that. First year goes. Yeah, so first year, I enough spent on that first year. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to change course. I mm. didn't want to study music. Because I know it's not, th there isn't much point. Because also they don't really teach you that. If I wanted to learn the stuff I wanted to learn, I had to switch unis. And I thought, I'm in a good uni. Mm. Let, let me let me write it out. There was a new course that opened up that year. And it was, no, it was the second year that that course was open. And it was uh, music multimedia with electronical engineering. Wow. I was like, all right. That does sound like the perfect course. I was like for you. Yeah. <laughs> Tailor made for you. Yeah. I was like, cool, let me let me go for it. Mm. Went. Getting in was gonna be a problem because I didn't have the credentials. But I sat down with a music guy and I showed him my music and that that's what got me in. He saw my portfolio, stuff I've just made. And when I look at it now, it's funny. It's so amateur. But he saw something, whatever he saw. I remember him telling me he really liked like my use of like sample work. Because I, I used to do a lot of samples, find samples, chop them up. I still do that now. It's like the core of what I do. But the sample work was a lot. And he was like, yeah, obviously very impressed. I told him, I was like, look, I can't, I can't actually play stuff. I'm not like a grade seven or grade whatever piano player. Mm. but give me a computer and I'm going to make you something 
and um, he asked me to show him proof. I had to do like videos showing exactly what I've done, how much I know, and I knew quite a bit. And uh, that was obviously all self-taught. And I told him, obviously, this is all self-taught. I told him I could play one instrument, which is sand tool. Which is a sand tool. He had no idea what it was, but I told him it's this. I mean, I could show it to you. I could show you playing it. Like I know how to play it, but pianos and stuff, uh, no. And then in the end, he saw and he said, "Yeah, cool." Gave me the offer. I got in. Got in on that. Was it good? No, it wasn't. Have I used it now? No, I haven't. But it was worth it. It's like anyone doing a degree. To it's me. like anyone. It was definitely worth it. When I look back at it now, I do wish, though, I could go through the process again. Because now I know what I would have actually done. Genuinely. So. What do you mean? What course or how you course. would have made... Course. If I could go back to choosing my A-levels, this goes back to what I was saying, choose what you want to choose. I would have chosen stuff that I was into, but it was in the back of my mind. It wasn't really, it wasn't a passion, mm. but it was something I'm genuinely interested about. And funnily enough, when I was growing up, my mum was like, oh, go do medicine. I was like, yeah, I would do medicine, but I only want to do medicine in like the sports like industry, like mm. be a doctor for a sports team or something. I, I would have always liked that. And it's kind of come around full circle because this past year, in the back of my mind, there's this voice that's telling me, I want to do a course in strength and conditioning. But I know to do it, I need to do a physio, no, I, I need to do a personal training course. Don't really want to be a personal trainer. Mm. But I want to do strength and conditioning for like, for like athletes. Like going through my process on my knee, and I had surgery again on the same knee last year. And going through this process has been different to the first rehab. It's it it's like it's like reignited that passion for. Have um, you have you seen the Last Dance? I have, yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I was on episode. Oh, it might be episode eight. The one where they lose against the Pistons. Yeah. And the Pistons are a very physical team. Yeah. And in the off season, like Michael Jordan, just the whole team. To be fair, not just Michael Jordan, but. He's leading the way, and he doesn't take any time off. He goes straight to mm -hmm. the gym. Yep. And you know his trainer. Yeah. And he was like, what, 200 pounds? And they tried to get him up to 215. Mm. But it's hard to put on the strength and size when you're burning calories all the time playing basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a lot of very, very interesting podcasts he's done. Um, the Diary of a CEO being mm. one of them. I'll, I'll, I'll send them through to you. But he's a very, very interesting guy. Yeah, man. It was uh, it was something that I deeped. I mean, years after uni, but I clocked. I would have either done that, as in, uh, as in, I would have gone down like maybe the sports route, because mm. I, I mean, I've always been in sports, as you said, taekwondo, football. Football has been a big thing for both of us. But I just realized I would have done that. And funny enough, if I didn't do that, I would have done interior design. Really? Yeah, that's something that throws everyone off. But I've always been into interior design. Like that couch you're sitting on now. Like I will walk in a room and and I would and I would analyze that. I'll take it in. I'll be like, oh, okay, that's nice. But maybe this could work or maybe that could work. Yeah. I was always into interior design, architecture I was into a lot. I've always been fascinated by buildings and things like that and just things like 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 the shape of stuff. And plus I can draw, so I just realized I should have probably done that. But hey, hey ho. 
here now. So it doesn't really matter. But if I could do it again, that's what I would do. Something like a physiotherapist, personal trainer, but for athletes or interior design, architecture, something like that. Nah, but I think you're you're doing what you should be doing. I think so. I think I am. Yeah, I think I am. I mean, I I, I do love what I'm doing, but... I was... So, before this podcast, I was thinking how you ended up studying engineering and then breaking away from that, going into this route. Yeah. So, yeah. it's interesting to see the struggle you had from quite an early age. Yeah, I mean... Because I knew that was not going to be easy. No, it wasn't. It hasn't been easy at all. And I think the day I saw my mum change and my dad change, Funny enough, as well, it had nothing to do with making money out of it. It's not what changed their mind. I basically started this music thing whilst I was in Leeds, obviously. So by 2015, 14, 15. The concept and the idea started in 2012. But I think it really came to be in 2014, 15 was the first kind of steps. But I essentially founded not founded I mean the other guys founded it as much as me but I came up with the idea the concept and what the meaning was and everything of of our group XY and then in 2015 or 14 something like that we did that big video that we did for one of my songs mm. and my mum came down I, I was filming it down the road and my mum came down and I was there with about 30 people in a video oh wow and it was like a big kind of production and um i think it was 2015 actually because i remember i came to the hospital and i was like you're like yo how's things going with xy mm. do you remember this you had the hats you were very dazed out when this oh, by the way on this day but you asked me you were like hey like how's it going and i was yeah. like hey but actually but i just filmed my, like my first video and you're like yeah show me and i showed you but you were very drugged out if you remember this mm. but yeah i showed it to you and you're like oh wow like you're like this is you're like this is sick man you're like keep at it like oh. this is this is banging you always remember that day but yeah so i saw my mum her character changed after mm. she saw me actually doing something when she saw what i'm doing and it wasn't anything special i mean i'm just doing a video but she saw the amount of people I had, the level of production I took it to. And I didn't spend the money. Uh, I think I spent £10 on it. Because I used everyone around me. And, I mean, thank God I'm surrounded by nice, great people. And they were willing to help. So, but I always, uh, I'm always in debt to them. Especially one person. The, the person that filmed it for me, always in debt to her. So, mm. so I keep her very close. But yeah, so when my mum saw that is when it changed. I saw her character change slightly. She was always on my case though, naturally, because she wants the best. I mean, any mum or dad wants the best for you at the end of the day. But that's when she changed. She eased off the pedal a little bit. Then it changed to, before mm. it was, why are you doing music? Why are you not doing that? It, it started to change towards, if I wasn't doing music, she was like, why are you not doing music? Not a lot. She wouldn't do a lot, but there were times where it'd be like she would check up and she would she would kind of check in and be like, "What's, What's going, going on? on? Why are you why like for example she'd be like, why are you not at the studio or like?" So obviously I was always at Jordan's house, 
to my boy Jordan, who I work with, part of the group. She was like, yeah, why are you not at his house? Like, if I haven't been there for a while. She was mm. like, yeah, what's going on? So I saw that character change happen in her, which made me understand, okay. Whatever you do, don't half-ask it. Yeah, basically. Mm. My mum has always been like that. My mum, when I was 15, my mum threw me on a construction site. She said, look. <laughs> That's the most. <laughs> she goes, she look, She goes to me, look. We're not in Iran, so I can't send you to the army. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not going to the army, um, you're going on a construction site. <laughs> so she calls up my uncle, who obviously worked on a construction site, because he was the manager there. And, he's, and she's like, yeah, take him. So she's been very like, one, you work. Yeah. You have to work all the time. You cannot be without working. You can't have periods of not working. And two, if you're going to be something, be the best there. And I'll never forget this. Even, I swear to God, I think maybe from five years old, I've heard this. She goes, even if you're a bin man, be the best yeah. fucking bin man in, in this in this whole world. Yeah, be yeah, the yeah. best at it. And that's it. So, I think that's why everyone looks at me and they're like, yo, like, this guy is always working. Like, this guy's always working hard. Mm. Even though to me, like, I don't feel like I am. But I think it's carried through. But yeah, so my mom changed at that point when you she know, saw me doing something. Different. I've got a similar story. Where I was thrown into Wembley Market, and what? I yeah I used to have to work there on the weekends. You were working Wembley Market. I worked there. Wem- yeah, I worked in Wembley for Market. For what? Just my what? dad took me there, and he was like, "You're gonna work for one of these stools." When was this? Probably when I was twelve, thirteen. Why don't I remember this? Um, I never told anyone. I was <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> I was mad embarrassed because I was like, "This is one dingy market," but. <laughs> He did the same thing. No yeah, way. Yeah, bro. I used to work in Wembley Market. No way. I swear down. But now, you know what? I can look back at... Fucking... But it's good, though, isn't it? Bro, I could barely stand up by the end of it. It was crazy. But it's humbling. Humbling, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. Like, I remember going on site for the first time. And I thought I've lived my life with, like, olders around me. Nah, bro. Mm. When you're surrounded by actual men... And you are a kid. Mm. When you're surrounded by men, oh, fucking hell. It's tough. That is when I was like, oh, shit. Like, these guys, they have no reason to be nice to you. Especially on site. They don't give a fuck. It's like, get the fuck out of my way, Mm. you little piece of shit. So, that was game-changing. And then I spent... Obviously, I only did it during the summer. And then I did it four summers after that. Just working on a site every every summer. And then it got to the fifth one and my mum was like, you No, well, no, actually. She was like, how about you go back on site? I was like, I'm fucking not doing that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you, you cannot make me go there anymore. But obviously I had to get a job again. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going back on site. I can't do a site again. It was just mind numbing. To be fair, you've always been working. From 15, I've if I'm not studying... I was working in obviously like in the summer. Yeah. Always. I've always had a job. Because my mum would break my neck if I don't. I think the only summer I'd managed to not have a job was since I think maybe after my second year. Mm. I managed to not have a job. And my my mum she was on to me, but I think I got it off. I think. If I remember correctly. I can't remember. So you've got Clearly, you're very hard working. 
But then when it comes to going studio and mixing creativity into it, mm -hmm. can you just be flat out hard hard working, or is there an element of like nothing's coming to me right now? What can I do if my brain is just not into this? When you're fixated on hard working, yeah, mm. and you're fixated on just working and just working, working, which I am. When you get to a point, this took me a while to learn, but when it does get to a point in the creative realm, I'm not too sure about other realms mm -hmm. because, yes, I've worked, but I've, I always say to you, I've never had a serious job. When I say serious, is like, I don't know, if you're like in the corporate world or something where like you have like targets and stuff. I've never been in that, so I, so I don't know how that's like, but in, in, in the creative world, I learned, a bit late when nothing's coming just stop just just stop mm. there's no point working yes I've battled through it and I make it through it and I will go there's been nights there's been days and nights where I've sat behind this laptop I'm trying to make something that doesn't work and I just and I've been it's happened with, with people around me like when we're like when the boys when we go up to Leeds let's say and we do like a week of just making music i will like go into my own cocoon and it's just me and this laptop and i will go for like 24 hours and i won't stop until something comes out mm. and i'm ready and, and as in well not even ready sorry as in i'm like happy with i will sit there and i will go through four five six 12 20 different beats that i'm starting closing 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 and then one just clicks that's where the hard work comes but the exhaustion that comes out of that it's not worth mm. it whereas times recently I have sat on my laptop tried something it doesn't work I try the next one it doesn't work try the next one it doesn't work I close my laptop and I piss off come back next day I make something that's sick which mm. goes back to what we were saying before be patient man it's a you big know what thing. that kind of I've had the same experience in the corporate world where I think it happens in every world, but like I said, I, I just don't know. So obviously, if you know about yeah. it, then from that's like your eight, thing to say. eight p.m. eight p.m. till ten p.m., nothing's getting done. Like you're mm. sitting there, you're finished, but you still have a shit ton to do. Yeah, and uh, depending on the deadline and how much stress is involved, sometimes the same way you can sit down and study before an exam. Yeah, you'll just get it done mm. and leave the office at like late. Yeah. Um, other times, if it's not super urgent, pack it away, go home, come back in the morning, and it's so much more easier mm. to just figure it out, get through it, get yeah. it done, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. It's quite interesting. I wanted to say, okay, so you started this music thing. It's not easy to get that started and put yourself out there. I've now tried to start this podcast thing. I feel like I'm fully understanding what you went through when you first kicked off that process. Yeah. We had this conversation a few weeks back where I'm going to paraphrase the quote, but it was like, you'd rather be in the game getting booed than on the fucking... Rather being in the stands. And in the stands doing the booing. Yeah. I'd rather... I've... When I started this, the reason why I started it, I've been... I, even my first tape is named after it to be fair 
I've always been a maverick. I'm always on the outside. I n- was never, like I said, as we said before, I never felt like I was w- within the crowd mm-hmm. or w- or with the crowd. I always felt I was always on the outside. Not in any sense of saying how I was treated. No, it's got nothing to do with how I was treated. Just how I felt. I, I've never felt connected to a group. When I did music as well, as I've been doing, I've never felt connected to a certain genre or an artist. And then I came up with this whole thing where, as guys as well, we don't really express ourselves. Mm. You know, this is a big thing out there now. And then I came up with XY, which is obviously it stands for expressing you, express yourself, however you want to call it. But it's also the male chromosome. It's what makes you a guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit, yeah. So it's the male chromosome. And to be fair, I've been called up on it once when I was at uni. It's got nothing to do with, you know, anti-women or pro-men, nothing. It's just, it's what makes you a guy. Mm. And you should cherish it. What, someone called called you out? One time I was in a coffee shop in Leeds, yeah. at Uni of Leeds, in the library. And I'm working on something XY. And this girl, like, kind of just, like, asks me, she's like, hey, like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's it's like my, like, music group, like, collective thing that, I, that I'm part of. She goes, oh, like, what does it stand for? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it stands for expressing you. She's like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, yeah, it's also the male chromosome. She goes, oh, that's not good. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, that's not good. And then I'm like, why? She goes, it's just too masculine. Like, it's too, uh, it's too like, anti-women. I was like, what? <laughs> she goes, yeah, it should be more inclusive. I was like... Just because it's the male chromosome doesn't mean like women can't get involved or it doesn't mean yeah. we're like closed off to to females. Nah, at this point, just stop talking to her. I'm just like, all right, cool. Yeah, and then quickly I was like, right, you know what? I hear what you're saying. Let's just leave it at that. And I packed my stuff and I just left. But yeah. anyway, so that's what I went with because at the end of the day, it's tough being a guy. Uh, it's tough being a it's tough being whatever you are. It's tough being a woman, but it's just something that I think at the time then no one was concentrating on it. Now I think we're more open to it. Mm. But I think back then we weren't, especially, well, well, m- more than now. However, at the same time, it wasn't something I wanted to flaunt. It's not something I'm saying, oh, come express yourself, like, you know, s- say all your mm. feelings. No, it's just, it was a way of life in the sense of express yourself through what you wear express yourself through what you say mm. just be free with it don't get influenced by people typical things typical things that we all say to each other right yeah. but the way I came up with it was my best friend one of my many best friends I got inspired by him because one day he came into school in sixth form he was wearing an outfit and people made jokes and they laughed at him and they annoyed him and funnily enough they said you're wearing the same outfit as me as in what I was wearing. And, um, yeah, like, it's funny, but it's like, I would just sit there in school and people would do these things and I've always had this, you know, being on the outside, as I said. I just look at people and I'm like, why do you have to get onto it? Like, okay, it is similar to what I'm wearing, but he wants to wear that. By the way, this is coming at a time where 
I was wearing my jeans backwards. I don't know if you remember this. In Bro, you've always been very well dressed. I'd Thanks. Say. Um, but yeah. Do you remember bit. me wearing my jeans backwards? No. Do you not remember this? Did you ever see that phase? No. Funnily enough, I would still do it now. But you were you were wearing ripped jeans before ripped jeans were a thing. I was. I had this conversation in uh, Croatia last week when I was on holiday. I was ripping my own jeans with scissors and sandpaper to create the look because ripped jeans weren't a thing yet. It yeah. wasn't that big. It was there, but it was the wrong type of ripped jean. This is what I mean. Like I've, you've always been very creative, and I used to, I still do. I think you have a lot of character. Thank you. And I found you very, very cool, especially when we were we were younger. Thanks. So you're not the only one that said this, and it always makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Because I don't, I've never really seen myself as cool. I just see myself in my own world is how I really grew up. I was kind of in my own world just doing my thing. Yeah, do your own thing, but also have, having confidence in being Yeah, different, I've always been confident. Against. I've always been confident in being who I am. Obviously, I've struggled here and there with it, especially recently. But I've always been, if I'm in front of people, I'm confident. Like, I won't, mm. I won't shy away from who I am. It's like typical... Again, again, I had this conversation last night. We were, I was discussing with someone, so it's quickly off topic. I was discussing something with why people, like this happens in our community as well. Mm. You get a lot of people, for example, it, it's a very small detail. You get a lot of people calling themselves, like they will introduce themselves. And, and then when they come to where you're from, for example, for us, they'll say, oh, I'm Persian. I was actually going to ask you this, go on, yeah. Why do we say Persian and not Iranian? And sometimes we say Iranian. It's, we're not the only community or, or, or you know, ethnicity to do it. A lot of people do it. They, they, they say they're from the ancient version of what it is because mm -hmm. of the connotation that it has. Or in our case, Iranian could have a bad example. Persian is a bit greater or whatever. But nah, you should be proud of being Iranian. Yeah. I am Iranian. This is who I am. And if you have a problem with it, then that's your problem. And that is, that is a typical example of just how I've been. It's like, this is who I am, man. If you got a problem with it, it's not going to phase me because I'm I'm going to try like who I am. That changed, obviously, as we've had more conversations over the years. But anyway, no, interesting. Anyway, it was that that made me create kind of come up with a group, and I was just like, this group has to be. At first, I was like, it's rebellious, it's a big fuck you to anyone that has an opinion against something but which also came out in our like logo Florin shout out Florin mm. just giving a fuck you to everyone but it came through that and then I found people that what was great was the guys that joined the group it so naturally came into place and I just told them the idea and they were like yeah like you know what now I'm thinking we could do another episode with all of you guys where you talk about how it first started and do a whole timeline of that would X, be interesting XY. that would be interesting because we i don't think we've ever sat down and spoken about that would be sick we've never spoken about it it's like a it's like a unspoken do you know why code that comes throughout us i sense it's because it's still ongoing and you guys are now beginning to see it's like a, a weird curve that's been flat for a while yeah and now it's starting to take off 
So it's almost as though let's not go there until we can look back and be like, yo. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. We have just been going and going and going. And it's been stagnant a little bit. And only recently, again, last week, the what I was telling you about what happened gave me perspective as to why it was stagnant. And it was, I mean, the boys might say, no, it's not. But I hold up my hand and I say it, it was stagnant because of me, as in because of my like downfall type of thing. Mm. And I feel maybe what I experienced might give it a boost, maybe. I'm not saying it will, but maybe because I was just switched off for the past however many so years. But uh, but yeah, doing that podcast would be interesting though. But without going off topic quickly, came up with that idea and that was because that my friend essentially came in. He was wearing what he was wearing, like me. And people laughed at him. I didn't like it, but I just sat there. However, he didn't change. He didn't change. He didn't listen to what people said. And even <laughs> even till this day, even though well, me and him joke around about it, but I think he knows as well. I I I admired it a lot. Mm. And he was mm. a guy that struggled to kind of get in with people and he tried a lot. He really like scraped in. He said it even himself. And it was that day when he did that, I kind of like let him in. I kept him like at, at like you know arms reach type of thing, but when he did that, I was like, "That's it. That's that's what I look for," and that's how I kind of it's bad. Like I select people in that way, mm. but I select you in the basis of are you comfortable as who you are? Because it's very important to me. Because I don't like people trying to be something else that they're not. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I saw that that clicked. I was like, and then it that came. The name came. And the idea of it just being rebellious and a big, like, you know, in your face, it started like that. It slowly, slowly, slowly stopped being rebellious and it became a more laid back. Like now it's just me, four other guys. We just sit, we make our music. It has so much passion. Mm. There's a stories behind our music. We've never been there for the clout. Um... Which is good and bad, to be honest. This music industry, you should be for the clout, to be honest. But I feel like we just have a bigger story. We have a bigger reason to be here. We focus on things people don't focus about. We focus on quality. Like, honestly, I, I'm going to say this now, and I've never said it, to be honest. When me and Jordan work on something, like something as simple as mixing, loads of people on our level, they don't, go into detail how much me and him go into mm. and you only see it now because when, when only now we're hearing from people like oh when they hear our mixes they're like oh wow like it's so clear it's like bro this shit's easy you, you, you just gotta focus on it a little bit but we actually go in depth on things that people don't really want to go in depth about because we love it we love it we love that process of making and fixing and things like that and the fame and stuff if it's gonna come it's gonna come but what difference does that make do you know what I mean at the core of it, and if we want to stay true to what we're doing as, of the, as this music. group and what we stand for, yeah. we're doing what we want to do. This is how we want to do it. And yeah, if we feel the need we need to push in, in other areas, okay, we're not stupid. We know that we, you know, we could do this a bit better, that a bit better. But 
it's important to stay true to what we're doing mm. and it's worked out so well for, till now just so like seamless we've just kind of made music that is timeless we listen to things that we've made back in like 2015 me and jordan in january dropped something that we started making in 2015 and finished in 2020 and we didn't drop it no 21 maybe and didn't drop it until 2023 and it sounds like we made it six months ago how much do you have in the vault that you haven't released too much really yeah there's things sitting there that like honestly you could go back from like the stuff I was producing when I was in year 12, 13, when I was learning. Some of those are still actually really good, but it's just a bit too, like I said, amateur. But mm. I don't know, man. I have so many beats. So many beats. You ever heard that Kanye West lyric? Making, what was it, like three beats a day for three summers? You ever mm -hmm. heard that? I did that. Because, I mean, look, Kanye West was obviously my my number one. And I like aspired to do everything he was doing. And when he said that and I heard it, I was like, shit, yeah, like I'm going to do it. And I did it I, for three summers. I would oh, work yeah, I like, yeah. construction site, work, I get back, get back home for seven, literally seven till like 10. I was making like three beats every day. I was sleeping, waking up, going three beats for three summers. And yeah, so I actually did that. And did it help? Yes, because it taught me. But it was that obsession of work. I, I need to learn this. I need to learn this. I need to learn this. And it kept going. But then you get negative sides from it where that carried on, I think, till now. And it's like, I still need to learn. I still need to learn. I still need to learn. We've kind of touched on it. But back to you being this producer, having this group, which you can also see as a record label. Mm. And then you, I'm sure you have already but almost ramping it up and working with different artists yeah. and almost like putting yourself out there as a producer. Yeah. That is, uh, funny enough, it was something that I've always struggled with because I started it and I came off as an artist. And I mean, hey, I mean, I believe in the whole, oh, you know, we're all artists, blah, blah, blah type of thing. But as in a music artist, I've never never really see myself as a music artist mm. but I think I am a producer in the sense of I like to produce things I like to make things and then creating the record label I think at first I struggled at first I knew exactly where it's going and then I kind of lost the vision because I got caught up in different things and life things get involved and my whole vision of it started to get blurry and only recently I've, I've gained more clarity on it again and I realized the things that it was, it was because of the times. But now it's very different. I think I know who we are. And um, mm -hmm. being a producer is, like you said earlier, I think, I, I think I'm where I, I think I'm where I'm supposed to be. And it is in here. It's just a matter of having to now do the nitty gritty business stuff and actually growing as a business and things like that as a, as a, as a company. Do you know what I mean? You find what you're good at, and especially when I speak to you just now, you can double down on that. Just mm. really, this is what I'm good at doing. Give me the computer, and I'm 
Yeah. I'm sitting down, I'm yeah. working. That's the thing, I think I've, well, not think, I mean, I know, and we just spoke about this just before, but I, I've, the whole point it was stagnant is that I just got in my own way. That's all it is, really. Then I think I've only just realized it, as in, I knew it, but I didn't mm. accept it. But I've been in my own way this whole time. I was the last person standing in the way. And it's and it's just ironic. I've made something where it's like a big fuck you to whoever has something to say about it. And I'm the one that has something to say about it. Mm. Looking at myself in the mirror, I'm the one that's saying stuff against exactly what I'm doing. And it's a clash of it's a clash of identity and a clash of egos in my head. I'm waking up as one person, but the guy in the mirror is saying something else. Do you almost need someone to tell you you're not going to get into university? I feel like I do. You're not going to do that well in this profession for you to be like, you know what? That's what I needed. Yeah, because even through life, I've, as we've said, I need, clearly I need someone to kind of go against me. And my, all my friends, honestly, I, would, I wouldn't change them for the world. And some of them critique me well. But they could do it more often. And I think it's what you said of, oh, this guy's cool. I think he's cool. I've always... People have never really played around with me too much. They don't, like... Uh-huh. They haven't picked on me and things like that. But I like it when you do it. I like someone that's brave enough to say something. Do you know what I mean? I I admire it and I respect it more. And I've always had people when I even meet pe- new people, I've had I've had people tell me, "Oh, they get a little bit like intimidated." If you when you get to know me, I am a goofy guy. Mm. I am I am not serious in any way or form at all. I have no seriousness within me, like in like a social sense at least. I might look serious because I'm just in my own kind of bubble. Mm. But I'm I'm not serious. There's nothing to be intimidated about when it comes to actually chat to me but people would they see me in this cool light or whatever and I think it's I've I feel like it stops people from pushing that button a bit if you push my button a bit is when I really get going maybe you can create that by competing against someone who's far better and further ahead what do you mean than you if you're playing this uh producer game and there are established producers out there who are doing their thing you can compete with them in terms of how many albums have i produced and how those albums ranked you're right and then you're you're against yourself really you're right but you've set your heights now to another level where it's now like okay shit this is this is the level we're aiming for now no you're right because i've I've looked at the industry, anyone in it, like, yeah, okay, I, I, like, aspired to what, like, Kanye West did and those people. But when it comes to the core of it, I don't see any of them as a competition just because, again, it goes back to not feeling a connection to other yeah. people that I don't feel we're in the same box but we are, we are, of course we are. We're in the same industry. When you strip everything away, it's the same industry. So I should be competing, not in an aggressive manner, but to drive me. Do you know what healthy. I mean? Yeah, it, it, it's healthy competition. I should be doing it, but I don't. Which is bad, but it's also good at the same time. It, it's, it has its pros mm. and cons, but 
yeah, probably I should do it. But does it feel right to me? No, because I have that. I'm I'm just skeptical that maybe I might get lost in it. But that's not a good excuse because I've already tried it at the same time. So it's a funny thing to play with, to be honest. Mm. But I should probably do that. And I think now I'm at the point where I'm comfortable to maybe do it. Because now I really know. Well, not really. I think we never do. But I think I just know who I am a little bit more. So I know I won't get lost in it. So I can trust myself a little bit. I think it all goes down to the first days starting DJing, getting lost in like, oh yeah, I'm the shit. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, because I'm not that guy. I know I'm not that guy. So I don't want to be in that place. And the way I've seen, like, what this industry does to you is, it, 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 it's fucked. People change. I think that's another conversation because I don't really know too much about that, that world. Um, but I would say you need to just get lost in it sometimes. Get lost and learn it firsthand and mm. then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Instead of stopping in your tracks, being comfortable and then thinking, oh, that's going to mess me up, so I'm not going to even try it. Yeah. Go do it, get messed up, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. And that's th- how you just keep... I think now I'm at the point where, because I went on for so long, I was... Me and the guys, we have been so patient. I think, genuinely, I struggle to see a lot of others in our situation making music, not making any money from it, like questioning what the hell am I making this for mm. at the same time the vision's gone out your head you're not seeing the f- like the 10 year plan anymore that's not in your head you're not talking about it anymore because the enthusiasm dies down you're thinking what am I really doing this for and yeah it's probably because you've become too comfortable which is true you need to throw yourself like we all know out of your comfort zone but when it comes to the core of me, why do I have to throw myself out of the comfort zone? Mm. I feel like if I throw myself out of the comfort zone, I am giving in to what the norm says to throw yourself out of the comfort zone. On the other end, I go down the path, let me struggle in being comfortable and figuring out how the hell do I do this by being comfortable? Because it's just less stress. But I get it at the same time. You yeah. need to throw yourself at the comfort zone. I 100% get that. But then that inside voice tells me, no, you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to do that. You, there is another way. And for me, it's always been, there's another way. Figure out the other way and ride that other way. Because everyone's going, everyone's going left. That's, that's interesting. Because I've, I've, I've got a different take on that based on I'd say the finance world. Right. And yeah, waking up very early and working quite late. Mm. And you have that same voice telling you, nah, like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Let's go back to being comfortable. But then when you keep showing up and I, non-negotiable, whatever some, whatever happens at work, however bad I get fucking shouted at, whatever happens, I'm not going nowhere. Yeah. I am not going anywhere. And that's going to piss people off because maybe they think, let me really go on his case yeah, so I can just, yeah, like really knock him off. That's and then the when, they, when they continue to see me there, 
I mean, maybe this is just in my mind. It's going to be like, okay, fuck. This guy just will not move. Like, he will stay here. Well, I do and then in your that. mind, it's a non-negotiable. Your mind starts figuring out, oh, this, this motherfucker's not, not going to quit. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, cool. It goes back to the whole David Goggins thing. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, cool. This is just what we do now. Yeah. Let's figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Figure out, figure out how to do this shit. Yeah. Because this guy's clearly going to keep doing it until it gets easier. Or yeah. un- until we can at least hang. Yeah, it's true. Jump in the deep end and fucking learn how to swim. Yeah, it's true. And with time, you'll just see yourself catching on and doing shit which you thought you'd never be able to do. Yeah. But that comes after you just put yourself in the fire and just live there. Live in it. It's true, man. Uh, honestly, I, I do agree. That's the you, thing, though. I, f- I feel like it's quite subjective at the same time. Yeah. I was going to say, cause what you're doing. you also have put yourself through a lot of shit. I have, yeah. And now that we've been talking, I'm sure y- if you listen back to this, throughout your life, you've gone through that. Yeah, this has given me a bit of clarity, to be honest. For sure. And there's even, that's the thing, and, and that's only like a portion of it at the same time, which is actually crazy when I think about it. So much more. There's like all the trials and tribulations of just, let's say, me and the group, or there's the trials and tribulations of me outside of that group, or do you know what I mean? And it's like, then it's also then when I look into everything I gained out of that, now using it on new ventures yeah develop just keep do you know what i mean it's like now i know how to maneuver in like different ventures i'm doing and 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 how it should be done or how i think it should be done so it is a big learning process that only i guess it takes something like this to kind of really realize but also at the same time it makes me realize hey man we need to talk more even me the boys the group just sit and talk more we don't talk as much I, th- I don't think anymore to keep because like i said everyone knows what we're doing but i think you have to say it out loud i think quite honestly speaking i do sense a little bit of we've been going for a while and it's like you know one of those fucking out. it is yeah but from my perspective the reason i'm doing this and now getting finally getting guests on i'm talking to people who I know will have big, big things happen yeah. in the future. Yeah. And I was, telling, I was telling Joey, actually. I had him on the other day. Um, I was like, imagine way back, back in the day when Richard Branson was starting out Virgin. Yeah. And you had an opportunity to get this guy, sit down with him for two hours, an hour, whatever. Yeah. And just pick his brain and just figure out where his mind is at that time before it's happened before it's happened like how it's happened is because of this guy yeah so it's interesting to actually sit down with him and see that thought process yeah obviously it's cool having him on as a 70 year old on diary of a ceo and listening to his life story once he's done it that's great that's cool and we all love those episodes but using this as a reference we're gonna have so many more episodes i'm sure yeah but then we can always go back to 2023 yeah. when we had this conversation just before that thing took off, yeah. just before the record label went, just before all of the, sh- the great things that are going to happen to you have happened. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I see it. Yeah. So I want you to also hold on to that bit of hope and be like, you know what? 
No, yeah, this is I'm uh, going through it, but yeah, no, yeah, this is this is this is definitely. I think it's been something that I think I needed without knowing. Mm. Definitely, because yeah, I mean, I've been in a, I've been in a, like I said, nothing. Nothing major has happened, like major in the sense of of you know, if you want to go by how the books like to do it, like having got some big conglomerate company or big award or big like you know accolades but in my own world and in my people's worlds these are big accolades just Mm -hmm. going from a kid in his room making a beat with the blanket over my head so no one sees the light coming out my bedroom at 2am when I need to be up at 7 let's say to now comfortably having a studio exactly that is huge, huge. It was a dream five years ago to be like, oh, I've got my own studio. So I know, I know it's it, it's been growing. Bro, I've got so many of these. But um, my position, I feel my my calling is to look at, I have this, I have this thing that I like, like I don't really address my issues. But I need to make sure people are good. Mm. So like when I'm which which is why this whole thing was made is like I made this so whoever the group was gonna be, even if it wasn't a group, if it was just one artist that I was working with, it was just two of us, let's say. I just had to make a foundation for someone to have a space to say what they want to say. And that's I think that that was the core of it. I wanna have a group that does music that does fashion, that does film. It's the same group that a lot of other groups are. And they do the same thing. But for my people, I just wanted to provide a space. This is where you just express yourself and be free who you want to be and just own it. Just absolutely own it. Just be the be the shit that you're supposed to be. And it's that requirement of just, I need to always provide. I need to provide. I need to give people this space. I need to... I'll work endlessly for no money and mix stuff for people and master stuff for people mm. because they have a story to tell and I want them to get out. Do you know what I mean? I think you're you're very uh, secure in what you're doing and yeah. I don't sense you need... Um, what's the word? You don't need someone to tell you it's good. You don't need that, yeah. but... I, I don't need... I don't need someone to tell me the music's good. I don't need someone to tell me this project's good. When people tell me something is good, not even good, anything, I don't take compliments well. Mm. I'm not, I really don't take compliments well. Like, you said like I dress well. Uh, Thanks. But, I I just don't take it well. You know, it's just, I'm not good with compliments. And I'm not good at giving myself a compliment. I'm not good at that's I'm, I'm not good at I am not good at patting myself on the back. I think that's where I was gonna say, although you don't need it, I kind of sense you need a bit of a an external form of validation that what you've been doing is now is now working. Yeah, it's now starting to click because I th- I sense that's just gonna put fucking batteries in your engine. That's the thing. That's really going to get you lifted. We just spoke about this before when I told you about 
you know, <laughs> the moment I went through last week. But it was a matter of, even though I'm a very chilled, laid back guy, very, very laid back, do my thing. Like I said, I live my own kind of bubble, my world. That's how I see it. But I am very stubborn, clearly. I mean, if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm stubborn enough. So I'm like, no, I can do it. I can do mm. it. Even every song I've made, I, I produce it. I mix it. I master it. I've never given it to someone to work on, as in send it out to someone to mix or master. I film something with the guys. We do the edits. We do the filming. Everything's us. It's like I have to do it. I'm not going to give it to other people to do it because they don't get the art and stuff like that. But it was a factor of I just had to, which is what happened last week, I just had to realize I'm just, I've just been my own biggest enemy. I don't care if someone tells me it's good. I all care when I say, yo, man, what you did is good. Mm. And I think that's where I'm trying to get to. I think I'm getting there. I'm starting to be like, yo, that's good. Like every song I've done and I've released, I haven't released in five years, which is bad. But that's been a case of, you know, things that have just happened, like me not liking stuff I do, me not liking myself, me not liking who I am. Do you know what I mean? All, all that kind of stuff. Because I knew I'm not that person. Mm. I think right now I'm starting to see who I am. But it's just important. I think that's the thing. It's important for me to get to somewhere where I pat myself on the back. I don't need anyone to pat me on the back, clearly, as we've said from the start of this conversation. I don't you sound like you're a bit of a perfectionist. Not a bit. I'm too much of a perfectionist. And everyone likes to say they're a perfectionist, but trust me, you're not a perfectionist. It never will be perfect. You've got to put your shit it out there. It never will. It never will. And, and you've got to move on to the next. That's the thing. And, and the next. And the next. But that's the thing. I was doing, I was making music and I, was, and I was releasing. I was never happy with it, but I was content with it. And I put it out. And once it's out, a lot of other people that work around me, once they put something out, they kind of sit on it. And they kind of take it in. And mm. they take it in. They put it out there. They keep up with what the social media says. And they kind of take it in and they soak it up. That is perfect. Because soak it up is is a good moment, bro. When I was when I was putting music out five years ago was the last thing I put out. I put it out as soon as it's out, it's out, and I'm like, fuck that shit. That was shit. Now on to the next one. I think that's perfect though. As it's long good. as you put it out, then you don't soak up what it's other good, people yes. say. Just keep putting it out, then let them talk. But that moment of soaking up is basically you patting yourself on the back, and I yeah. feel like you need that. I wasn't doing that. My instant thought in my head was, this is bad, but just good enough to leave. Mm. This is bad. I need something better. And as soon as it's out, I was looking somewhere else for, for the next best thing. And you're not satisfying anything. You're living, it's a very shallow way of living. Because you should take that in. You put in so much hard work for that. Because the irony is, if your boy did that, You'd be like, oh, wow, well done, man. Mm. Even though that boy could be me. But wait, what in this situation, what can you control? You can control the music you're putting out there. Yeah. Once you put it out there, you can't control what people are going to say about it. Right. But a way for you to soak it up that you've released something is to be in a studio with your boys, have a few beers, actually enjoy the moment and be like, listen, bro, we actually... We actually got it out there. Like, we yeah. released this. That's true. And then you guys holding each other accountable 
next week we want another one out next yeah. week another one or end of the month we have to release five yeah however you guys do it yeah but then you hold each other accountable and then that's your pat on the back yeah true and that's what you can control you can't yeah. control how the world's going to react to the actual shit you put out there yeah but that's you've already got the recipe of i don't give a fuck yeah all i need to control is get my shit done put it out there let them react to it yeah no it's true i think that's something we first were doing and i think we lost sight on that do you journal I used to. Bro, you need to do that shit. I used to journal. But my journaling became me writing music. You're creative as well. So it's my naturally <laughs> going to be... My journaling, I was journaling for a while, years ago. And it was funny. I was journaling. And the journaling started to piss me off. <laughs> because, like I've said, I've in my head, I live with two characters in my head mm -hmm. sometimes three genuinely <laughs> and one character in my head was getting annoyed at the other and it wasn't nice i was just writing like toxic shit yeah no and it was like okay i, I think i need to stop I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think journaling's for me the journal started to get a bit out of hand i, I still have it though i told you the hospital thing right yeah who i was before and yeah. then when i looked in the mirror and i was like right this is a sign that's not me that's not me. Yeah. But I was also doing the same shit. I was writing down the most toxic things about myself. But it, I don't know what the, the, the phrase is. Your pen is... Uh, I don't know, man. But everything I've, I've written in this journal, yeah. like it's very weird because in the months to come, I'll look back, I'll read this, and a lot of the things I've written about, I see how it's actually come about. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's really affected the, the decisions i've made and how my life ultimately plays out yeah in a weird way and that comes from collecting my thoughts getting myself together in order to make better decisions and take the right actions yeah. towards building what well, i'm trying to build a podcast here yeah now yeah. i've got 12 episodes out hopefully we yeah. get this one out and i'm like right there's some sort of structure that goes into it to get the first one out yeah and then the second one and then the third I'm not thinking, oh, I just, how am I going to get to 12 episodes? Yep. You don't think about it. You think about the first one and then just, just taking those steps. Just taking those steps. But also, I, I'd say just get a notebook, like something you can just scribble in. Mm. Either you want to draw, or you want to just a mind map or a to do list. Yeah. In the day, you need to get a bunch of shit done for your normal nine to five. And yeah. then after you want to go to the studio, what do you want to do in the studio? I, I want to make two beats. I'm actually working with something. Uh, for Jordan I want to get that done tonight yeah. and then fuck it if you don't get it done at least a good thing with journaling is if you don't you normally don't get the whole thing done but without the journal you might get 50% done with the journal you'll get 85% done you're alright and as the months go on getting that extra 20, 30, 35% in a day adds up mm. it really does add up and I'm, I don't write in this every day, to be honest with you. I don't journal about my feelings that often. Yeah. Sometimes it's once every two weeks. Sometimes it's once every month. I think that's um, the thing. I think I was journaling too much before about my feelings. And my yeah, feelings I, I get lost when I do it every single day. I kind of lose. Yeah, and my feelings were very uncontrollable. Like, it was very all over the place because I'm in, like, multiple different mind states. Do you know what I mean? Whereas 
what you're saying I think is spot on. I think the one thing I haven't done is planning my days. Just simple stuff. Mm. Just giving myself more clarity because on this laptop, as you said, there's so much going on on there. So much projects and stuff. Mm. I need to gain some order. And then it will make me just work through things in a much more, you know, seamless way. And just work through things because everything's just getting backlogged and backlogged. And I'm jumping from things because especially your creative mind, you just keep jumping. I was going to say, let let your creativity run. Yeah. But structure it in the morning so you can have that randomness to just be creative. Yeah. So you're not thinking about... Especially when you're what creative, you could be all over the place. Yeah. Before you know it, your whole day's and it's like, oh shit, what was I supposed to be doing? Yeah. But you're a very different person in the morning than who you are at night. So in the morning journal, yeah. write out your plan for the day. So when it comes to 6, 7 p.m. and you're kind of like, you know, on a whim, I don't really know what, you can pick this up and be like, right, I'm, that's it. i got to get that's this what one I'm done. Doing. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, because you've already decided for yourself in it in a sense already like hours before so you don't really have to waste time thinking about it or sit through like you don't have to sit through files and folders and work out all right so what am i doing no you just know what you're working on you just get right into it which is definitely something i have not done so it is a muscle you need to build up it is um i'll be honest because there are some days i just it goes out the window but the best days are when I'm productive and I've got most of those things done and you put yourself through that grind almost Mm. but afterwards when I've ticked off all the things I wanted to do for the day I can sit back and I'm like oh fuck like there's a feeling yeah there's that you've just been productive and you got your shit done yeah and that is the rewarding aspect of it yeah yeah I agree man I agree instead of being comfortable and it's like I'll do it tomorrow and then you start feeling, yeah, I've been. You that. start feeling a bit pissed off that you wasted the day. That's me for the past literally, I think, ten years, maybe now. So you need to get back on the grindstone. It's me getting back, back, back the on the grind. Yeah, b- back to the whetstone. Yeah, because I, I can't. By I've the way, that. you'll constantly have that. Yeah. Where you fall out of your routine and you start kind of going on that negative spiral again, but then I know how to quickly, not quickly, but I know how to get back onto. Um, feeling better and being productive again. Yeah. yeah. Waking up early, going to the gym. Some other things I'll tell you off the podcast. <laughs> you know. Yeah, for me it was past literally easily, like I've been saying, past ten years. Just over time, obviously, it wasn't instantly from ten years ago straight for ten years, but over that course of time and then five years in let's say just i just went completely dead inside just lost Mm. you know sight of what i'm doing obviously because i've got no structures to my day nothing's planned so everything's just all over the place i'm just you know running on low energy i'm not sleeping early i'm not going to the gym in the morning Mm. but this past year now i i'm in a routine that's just second nature now wake up at five go to the gym do my gym workout go to work do do my nine to five the only last piece of the puzzle is doing that extra work after work which is the important work and that's still because i'm not sleeping early enough because my mind's still like running mm. but i'm i think six months in now of like working a nine to five 
I think I'm at the point where now I can make that switch. I've got the routine that's like standard. It's the last piece of actually sleeping early. Maybe you need to rejig your, your routine. Maybe. You might be yeah. more creative at different time or... It is true. I have considered like, oh, have I essentially, am I going through a transformation where like maybe I need to do the music in the morning and do the gym at night, wake up, get straight onto it, bang like two, three hours out, get ready, go to work, go gym, come back and just switch off. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that, that might be the answer. I might give it a go, but I think... It's hard. The morning's hard. The morning is hard, especially... I'm just thinking about it. Waking up in the morning and listening to bass. Yeah. Yeah, not nice. I don't really want to listen to <laughs> listen yeah, to, yeah, a, yeah. to a hard bass line at like 5 a.m. I'd rather have it be quiet, but... I think the gym's, the gym's perfect. The gym is perfect. You the gym the has honestly put me in the best posi- like 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 state this year. Um, so the gym will stay in the mornings to be fair I think it's just the discipline I just need to focus on being a bit more disciplined on actually putting myself to bed because I don't go to bed I just stay up Mm. and but obviously because nothing's planned like you just said nothing's planned nothing's structured I end up wasting time I get pissed off that I've now stayed up doing nothing so I stay more like I I stay awake for longer telling myself okay now I need to find something to do I don't find something to do ends up becoming late sleep late wake up early still go gym and i'm just basically yeah. drained without being completely drained do you know what i mean i think setting out a clear a clear target as well being like you know what at the end or i wouldn't even say in this month because then you kind of lose track yeah whereas when you when you really break it down today i'm going to get this done i feel like days Excellent. are the best and week at max because you, you work on these projects. Yeah. That's why I'm like, at the end of this week, I want to have three beats or five beats or whatever reference, whatever it is you guys do. Only two days ago, I literally just sat down to myself. I was like, right, I've been doing music for ages. I have a new venture that I'm going into with my mate. We didn't even talk about that. No, we haven't. We have a new venture that I'm trying to go for but we're not working on it as much as we should. Then I realized, right, I, I, I need to plan two days ago. I was like, I'm going to dedicate Tuesdays and Thursdays to that. Those are the days that are going to be that for that venture. Sundays, I'll do a little bit, but Sundays I want to have an off day because I'm usually with family on Sundays. But then Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday, Friday as well, you c- I can let it slide because... I realized after 10 years, I need to socialize because I didn't socialize before. That was a big mistake. You should socialize. You should go have fun, burn some energy, be with your friends. You know what I say about working on that project when you said Tuesdays and Thursdays? Because I I can already tell what's going to happen with it. You've built it up as though Tuesday and Thursday I'll go, I'll be really productive and I'll make up for it. Instead of that, do 20, 25 minutes a day. Yeah. 20, 25 minutes. Bro, we're on our phones for hours on Instagram or whatever bullshit. Yeah. 20, 25 minutes is going to be dedicated to this thing. Mm. Just researching up. And then you're going to find the crumb, maybe a manufacturer, whatever it is. And that's just going to lead you on to doing a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah. And that'll be your 20, 25 minutes. And then the next day, you build on that. Yeah. 
based off that crumb that you found out what yeah. you know and before you know it that stacks up the little 20 25 30 minutes a day yeah across the week you've done a lot more than if you just worked on the tuesday and thursday it is true and is you true. haven't you haven't really lost your concentration you've just done a tiny bit every single day yeah. but you've made the days productive yeah you know what i mean i mean yeah like just doing those you would have done a over those 20 minutes per day you would have done a solid like two three hours if you would have just done one sitting which then you maybe you don't really do that procrastinate though. yeah you, you don't then do switch that. off your phone gets involved something else gets involved and realistically, then you've only ended up doing. I'm telling you, two half an hours. You'll get a lot, a lot more done if you just yeah. do 20 minutes. That a day. is true, and it's easy. It's, that is it's true. Just crumbs. Yeah, because then it'll be and 20 minutes. And you break it down that. in your mind. Yeah. In your mind, it's not like right today. Now I have to do four hours because I've only I'm only going to do this twice a week. Yeah. So I have to make this productive. Yeah, because then it's doing those 20 minutes, and then also I get a bit a. I guess I get a bit of both. I do 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes of that. And then I do at least another 30 minutes hour on this stuff. So I get both happening throughout the whole week. Mm. And before you know it, I guess you're making progress. So it is true. Now I'm, I'm very honest with myself. I have a monkey brain. Yeah. And sometimes I'll like take myself out of my body and I'm like what the fuck is this guy doing <laughs> yeah. what are you doing yeah. I'll be like oh, shit I don't even know what, what okay this and I'll just see something you need to get this done because yeah. I've written it in my book you need to get it done okay that's all I'm focusing on Yeah. I go yeah. into like robot mode yeah. and I'll just get that one thing done Yeah. help me tick it off onto the next otherwise my brain's all over the place Yeah. and the nature of my work you just have about 10 spinning plates and I'm here one second and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And you physically can't do two things. At w I can't do two things at once. Yeah. I can do one thing at a time. And just learning how to structure things has been a, yeah, really, really helped me. Mm. No, that's true. Mm. I agree, man. I agree. Honestly, that's, that's a good thing to hear, to be fair. Like just for me, it just gives me a good perspective on how, mm. how, how I should be doing it. Because I have neglected it, to be fair. Neglected I was going to say, uh, I'm full of these cheesy, cheesy one-liners. but That's good, man. Yeah, we need it. I sense with you, it's, it's micro speed, macro patience. Yeah. You had that one. Yeah. That's what it is. That's, a, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Micro speed, macro patience. And that's just going to piss you off. Like, it's really going to piss you off. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, man, I appreciate you doing this. Nah, bro. Thank you. Honestly, I told you before this was my first podcast, and honestly, I, I didn't even know what to expect going into it. I'm not even joking. You, you're a lot better at this than I am. You, you've got a good <laughs> voice, and you can just speak. I'm being. I don't know, serious. man. We'll do a lot more episodes. You're really good at this. No, I'm not. You are. I, I don't sense Being that. like a host, you're you're really good at this. You've just given a platform. You've basically done what I, what my whole ethos was to give a space for people I, to talk. Yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of parallels in what you were the doing. Big parallels here. Yeah. Massive. That's why this has to happen again. It, it for has sure. To, because there's so, I'm just thinking there's so much more to cover. I really didn't even touch on the whole, this startup you've yeah. kicked off. Yeah, there's the startup that I'm going for. We haven't kicked into that. There's, there's even the whole 
this whole 10 year thing I'm talking about, this whole okay. personal journey, we haven't actually, there's been the journey of my career and craft, but there hasn't been like my shit mental health for the past 10 years. We've just spoken about how to swindle the education system. Basically, like how to get past the education dodgy system. Iranian. We've just spoken about yeah. how to make money when you're 16 <laughs> in a club and basically how to avoid education. That's the topic of today. Jesus. But nah, man, honestly, from the day you told me you did this, I was, I mean, look, I, I was proud. and, But I admire what you're doing because people need to hear it. So, I appreciate so it. So honestly, hats off to you. But again, thank you. Honestly, thank you for putting nah, me here. Because you. I've been needing thank it for the longest. I, don't, I do not talk much. So when I do, I appreciate it when someone lets me talk. So I'm looking forward to doing an episode with the other guys man. I want that to happen we we need that next whenever XYHQ. whenever it fits in please let's get yeah. XYHQ on because I'm just interested to hear what they what, what they have to say yeah and I I just sense like five six guys in a room with a microphone it's like the start of a joke I mean literally I mean some of them will be difficult to get in because just because of timing but at least me Jordan and Kais I know will definitely be here definitely Sick. because because we're always in here so you right. forget us. Episode two soon. Yeah. Soon come. Yeah. Thank you, bro. No, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.